BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What struck me as I asked him, I said, Giannis, what do you do after you sign a life-changing contract like that? And he said, I went to dinner and then I went to Bye Bye Baby and I bought a bunch of clothes for my son, Liam. Maybe a little testament to 2020, the celebration was probably a little different, but still the fact that he simply went to dinner and then bought clothes for his son is a Giannis quote if I ever heard one. From the Fox 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. One of the best moments in Bucks history, and Zora Stevenson had her front row seat for all of it. The Bucks sideline and digital reporter shares why she was not surprised that Giannis Antetokounmpo decided to commit to Milwaukee long term, and her favorite personal story from covering the two-time MVP. Plus, she introduces us to the new faces on this year's roster and describes how strange it is to cover games in a mostly empty Pfizer forum. Zora has a really cool background herself, growing up in the world of DC politics, a baller in her own right at D1 Elon, and someone who is learning to love all that Milwaukee and the Midwest has to offer, even the winter weather. Let's tip things off with Zora Stevenson. Very happy to be joined by Zora Stevenson here, fresh out of hearing from the MVP and the new uh, favorite man in Milwaukee, or I guess the established favorite man in Milwaukee. Zora, it was very nice of Giannis to get all the contract stuff done just in time for us to chat here. That was very considerate of him. The timing worked out perfectly, huh? We, we planned this, of course. Yeah, we'd love to say we did anyway, right? <laughs> Let me start with that, since it is, of course, the talk of the town and absolutely thrilling for Bucks fans, for the city of Milwaukee, for Wisconsin. Where were you when you heard the news? How did you find it? Because all of us were just frantically scrolling through social media. I was sitting right where I am right now at this makeshift office desk space that I have where we live. And uh, yeah, just kind of like everybody else, you know, Coach Bud said that, you know, his sons texted him the tweet. Same thing here, just scrolling. And I see that that Giannis posted. I'm like, okay, this is happening. It's a go. And um, of course, just a really great day for the Bucks organization, obviously life-changing for Giannis and his family. To me, what stood out though, is the impact in the community. I think that's something that it really takes to live here yeah. to really understand that word, the impact. Yeah. I, I know you're a little newer to town. I actually moved here the same summer they broke ground on Pfizer Forum. So for me, it's been so fun to just kind of see that whole area transform, that whole part of downtown. And honestly, it all goes back to number 34. A lot of things wouldn't be happening in Milwaukee without Giannis. <laughs> you know, what's so interesting to me is I, um, you know, was looking at, the local news and you know that that's kind of my background so i any city i'm in i'm always watching to see what's going on and in milwaukee the day that Giannis decided to extend his time here it wasn't about politics it wasn't about this pandemic that we're, we're trying to live through 
Giannis was the lead story everywhere. And that's just a testament to his impact. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you my little story, a very 2020 story. I was scrolling through Twitter in line at Miller Park to get a COVID-19 test when I saw Giannis reside. So it's nice to have some some positive <laughs> things to think about. I, sure. I'd be curious since you just actually got to hear from him. This podcast won't uh, air till Monday, I believe. But since you just got to hear the initial press availability for Giannis, what did he have to say about just how personal this was to him, what this means for his family, his life going forward? He touched on a lot of different things. First and foremost, uh, he it was it, it seemed as if Milwaukee was always at the forefront, and he always knew that he wanted to continue living here. He joked and said that he asked his mom, "Hey, do you want to move?" And she said no, and that was it, right? And he said, "You know, Milwaukee is all I know." And I think people understanding his perspective, Milwaukee really is the only American city he knows, and to have to leave and go to another city that you really don't know and kind of start over can be intimidating. And he talked about the excitement of wanting to raise his kids in this city. And then, you know, on the basketball side of things, he is comfortable with the Bucks and the organization and the people within that community. So I think it was a lot of different things for him, but it was just so interesting to hear from him. What was struck me as I asked him, I said, Giannis, what do you do after you sign a life-changing contract like that? And he said, I went to dinner and then I went to Bye Bye Baby and I bought a bunch of clothes for my son, Liam. So, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe a little testament to 2020. The celebration was probably a little different, but still the fact that he simply went to dinner and then bought clothes for his son is a Giannis quote if I ever heard one. The fatherhood changes your perspective a little bit, <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, I'm guessing there was a pretty good tip on whoever was serving them that dinner. <laughs> Were you at all, a little bit of an odd question, were you at all surprised that he did sign? Every There's been so much talk. It's been the big story in the NBA for a while now. Will he, won't he? And frankly, he didn't have to. He could have had the same deal, could have seen how the season played out with new players and a different approach a little bit this season. Were you at all surprised that he did give this commitment and lock it down before the new season? No, I wouldn't say I was surprised. Um, you know, there's always that, chance and you really don't know only one person knows what's in somebody's head and the decision making process that they're going through and nothing is ever a sure thing but when he posted uh his announcement no i wasn't surprised um i was wondering you know just the timing of it right the season is about to start you know it was almost like okay the birthday seems like a great day to have an announcement like this okay now the birthday is passed then it's like, okay, two games into the preseason. Now you're into kind of the motion of practice and games. Like when would you have that rare day? And yesterday was an off day as we're recording this. That would have been Tuesday. Tuesday was an off day for the team. Perfect opportunity to kind of take care of some business off the court. Yeah, there you go. I'd be curious over your first year with the team and getting to know uh, Milwaukee and getting to know Giannis a little bit as well. Is there a story, is there an anecdote that you have from this first season that really speaks to who he is or has always kind of stuck with you about what kind of a guy he is? Usually when I'm talking to Giannis, it's, it's, you know, about basketball and kind of reporter Zora. I always tell the guys, I, you know, when I'm talking to them, it, it's just Zora talking to you. Oh, well, it's reporter Zora now because, you know, I think in what I do, I have to be fair and let them know, you know, which side of me, so to speak, is, is addressing them. And, I'll never forget uh, right after the first game back that um, Giannis came back after the birth of his son in the locker room. Giannis is always the last guy in the locker room. Of course, he has like a big, 
you know, huddle of people around him. And after the huddle, I walked up to him. And I think at the time he thought I was going to try to ask him some extra questions or something. And I simply said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, like, congratulations. That's awesome. And he gave me a hug and he just said, Zora, thank you so much. Um, And, you know, we kind of went back and had a conversation about family and, you know, the future and everything. And to me, that's who Giannis is. Um, Just a guy, a, a nice guy, a normal guy who really, at the end of the day, family is everything for him. And then he was, you know, proceeded to tell me how I could still travel and, you know, have a family of my own. And so we went into all those conversations. And um, yeah, that's something that's a conversation that will stick with me. Just, you know, kind of an exchange that we had. And that's that's who Giannis is. It does seem just like he's incredibly grounded for all the success, for all the accolades, everything like that. He hasn't lost that root, that stability that he has with his family and, and how he got here in the first place. It's neat to see. It is. Yeah. And don't be confused. I mean, he's a competitor, right? He always wants to win at everything, whether it's, you know, shooting drills at the end of practice, they, you know, the team they'll shoot from like half court um, just to see who can make it in. And he always wants to be the guy that wins. Um, if it's like, you know, a game that the team is playing off the court, he always wants to win, but at the end of the day, um, family means a lot to him. And, and family is not always blood, right? He, he considers the Bucks his family too. Well, let's get into that family because there are some new faces, uh, some new additions to the family, <laughs> a little bit different look this year. Uh, it feels crazy because it, it feels like the season just ended. We're already getting ready for the new one here and all that is because of 2020. Who has stood out to you so far among some of the new faces? Who do you think uh, fans and then the rest of the NBA is going to say, oh man, that's a great fit here in Milwaukee with his squad? So the obvious answer to this question is Drew Holiday, but I think sure. that goes without saying that he is going to bring um, a number of skill sets to this team. Off of that, two people stand out. DJ Augustine and his ability to lead that second unit and his veteran IQ has already shown up in the preseason. And it's been really fun to watch when Coach Bud puts Drew and DJ Augustine in at the same time, because it reminds me of that George Hill, Eric Bledsoe tandem that he used to play with. And then Bobby Portis. And these, these are two people that are going to come off the bench. Probably Bobby Portis is just like full of energy and so grateful to be playing this game. And so when he gets in, he's just like running up and down. And I think that's so important to have off the bench. So DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis are two people that I would look out for. And obviously Drew Holiday is going to mesh well on that starting lineup. And we know how the important the bench has been to the Bucks' success the last couple of years for sure. Would you say without getting into predictions, because I know those are always weird, is this a better roster? Is this a better team going into this season than what we've seen the last couple of years? It's a different roster. It's, it's different skill sets. And so, it, okay, right? Bench mob last year, you know, if you follow the Bucks, you know all about the bench mob. It was, okay, the energy from Pat Connaughton, the shooting prowess from Kyle Korver, kind of the consistency and comfort of Ursan Ilyasova. And then you had Robin Lopez, who was like just this massive body down low. Now it's more of like a running gun up and down. You have DJ Augustine, who to me, you know, George Hill, DJ Augustine, I, you will miss that locker room presence of George Hill. That cannot be replaced, just who he was as a person. But, okay, you got another veteran point guard, so that's great. Check. Um, instead of like a, a Marvin Williams, you've got a Bar- Bobby Portis, a little bit younger, a lot of energy. So it's just, and, you know, 
I would say Marvin Williams, Ursan Ilyasova were kind of those fours off the bench, four positions. Bobby Portis is now the people that the person that has replaced that. Um, let's say who else is in that? Bryn Forbes, knockdown shooter, so younger than Kyle Korver, obviously not as established. So I, you know, the bench is really where I try to do that like line by line type thing. Uh, I definitely think you're going to miss the defense of Wesley Matthews in the starting lineup, but. Dante DiVincenzo is such a burst of energy, especially defensively. His activity um, led the team in steals last year. So I think it's just going to be a different team, and that's going to be exciting to see. How about for you personally? What will this year be like? What are the plans in place for the coverage? Because obviously the bubble got thrown (laughs) in everyone's face, and you weren't able to be part of that down in Orlando last year. What's the plan like for FS Wisconsin and for you this year? It's going to be different for me too. You know, I first moved here – about a year ago, last September, and moved here, and I was on a plane like two days later. And that's just kind of a testament to how the early parts of my time in Milwaukee were, because wherever the team went, I went, which it was so great traveling the country. And it was it was nice just to get to know everybody, all my coworkers, so to speak. And now we are not going to be traveling for this first part. And so that's different because so much of what I do and, and being a reporter is half the part is just being there right? And, and knowing and seeing what's happening. So I'm going to have to go about it a different way, but I think all of us have been forced to be creative in 2020 and now moving into 2021. So uh, we'll still have all the games and it'll still be the same crew. We'll just be doing the away games remotely. I imagine thankful that this isn't your first year though, that you do have some connections some relationships <laughs> with those guys. Cause it'd be totally different if you're coming in and not able to just hang out in the locker room like that. Agreed. That is a great point. I'm glad it's not my first year. <laughs> how maybe the players could even speak to this a little bit better from what you've, you've spoken to them about. How strange is it playing games? And there's been a couple preseason games now at Pfizer Forum without a crowd, without any fans, maybe compared to what we saw in the bubble where it was just kind of this offshoot thing down in Orlando. This has to be a little weird because it's your home. You're used to the raucous atmosphere and it's empty. It definitely is weird. I think for the broadcast team, we were still going to Pfizer Forum when the bubble was happening. So it's nice that, you know, I kind of was still around the arena and you kind of still feel the spirit of it all. Uh, I will say doing games when the team is there, it's still very loud. Thanks to DJ Shauna. She's got everything going and they're pumping crowd noise in. And then obviously music in between things and still programming and bango still there. So things are still happening it's just like the lack of people is eerie and weird at times. So like when I'm in the bowl area, I feel the, the excitement, but then when you get on the concourse and it's just like no one, uh, that's when you start to feel it. And you, you know, I don't have many memories. I have a year worth of memories and you just kind of think back. And I just think to, you know, where I sit, it's always the same fans that sit in that area and just saying hi to them or, you know, the employees in Pfizer Forum, we all know each other by name and you ask how the families are and just the interactions. That's, I think, the biggest thing that I miss about it all. And like, you know, just the eruption that Pfizer Forum is when a big play happens or after a win, uh, you miss those, that spirit, right? That that positive energy. It's got to be so weird to be, you know, walking around in the, in the mostly empty arena and then say, oh, these are the best athletes in the world playing games that count right there on that court down below us. And if it's weird for me, imagine how it is for the guys. And, you know, they some of them, they've said, OK, it feels like a scrimmage, which preseason is. But soon these are going to count like it better not feel like a scrimmage. Right. And then others have said, you know, it's kind of like practice atmosphere. But I think 
as odd as it is, it's kind of becoming normal to just play in an arena without fans. I mean, this is going to be their second go at it. And they said that home advantage, home court advantage is still a thing because you're on your home floor. You get to sleep in your own bed, your own facilities. And so there's still something to be said for that. Yeah, absolutely. Looking back a little bit to last year and all that happened off the court for this team as well. I think that's what that team will be remembered for, of course. And it kind of struck me going back and doing some research for this, that in many ways it almost started with the prison game they did at the Racine Correctional Institute, which was around this time a year ago. And it was almost this through line of an emphasis on social justice for the team, both starting with that, taking part in the marches and protests after the death of George Floyd. Then of course the boycott of game five, what did you learn about the, maybe the impact an athlete can have a, a team can have in that whole season, all those different instances, because we've seen it throughout history, of course, but this is one of the best, most recent examples we've had, I think. For sure. I feel like I always knew the impact that athletes could and do have. For me, it was more of learning the character of the men that put on that Bucks uniform and what really matters to them and the things that are important to them a lot of the times Uh, have nothing to do with basketball. And so kudos to them for sharing that with all of us and then showing that too in their actions, whether, and you know, the big events are obviously, you know, going to play at a correctional facility, uh, marching down the streets of Milwaukee during the summer, and then ultimately deciding to boycott a game. But personally, I think it's all the stories and where they grew up and how they grew up and the relationships that they have that led to all of those moments. And it's a testament to the organization as a whole who, you know, preaches bigger than basketball. And I think a lot of people say that, but they act on that. And so then it just trickles down everywhere else on the business side, uh, obviously with the the team's actions. And so I just, it's just, uh, I'm honored to be able to chronicle it and tell the stories of what this organization is doing off the court as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you, uh, to some degree, were almost a part of that following the game five boycott, uh, spoke so eloquently, so powerfully about both what it went into the decision from the team standpoint and then experiences you've had, whether it was your husband, your father sharing stories over the years. Was that a planned moment? Had you thought about that? Had that been germinating or was that really just kind of in, in the moment as you were processing things like the rest of us were? I think all of us, well, I hope all of us have gone into deeper thought this year with everything that has happened. I'm talking pandemic and the elevated spotlight on the social injustices and the fight for equality. And so, yes, was I having more conversations with my family and friends and even in the workplace about my experiences as a Black woman? Yes. So, you know, my thoughts were definitely front of mind. But had I planned out what I would say if I was ever in a position to speak about it publicly? No. (laughs) And, you know, it's so interesting because I, my background is like, local news, journalism, other people's stories, facts, never about you. Like that is ingrained in my head what I learned in college. And so of course I would never think about sharing Zora's experiences because that's just not how I was taught to do this job. And now I'm in a position where 
I work for an organization that welcomes that and encourages that. And it's just so different for me. And I think that moment when the team decided to put it all out on the line and say, hey, we are willing to give up a playoff game. I think they almost like inspired me in a way to just say, hey, just be Zora and give people context to why this moment is so monumental and everything just kind of came from there. So uh, long answer, but the short answer would be no, it was not planned. <laughs> For any of the listeners who haven't heard that, I encourage them to go back and watch the, the video. It's online, but I wanted to read one of the quotes from it, which certainly caught so many people's attention. It's not on us to educate everybody, but I'm willing to share that information. And I hope you're willing to receive it. And I thought that second part was so important because you're basically saying, look, it's not my responsibility to educate you about systemic racism. That's just a fact of life. And whether or not you want to learn about it is great. But you're saying, I'm here for you if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to learn. Has the response to that been mostly positive? Have people seemed to be okay with that? And I can tell you from being in local news, this has been such an ugly year on social media in so many ways. You hear a lot of voices. So I'd be curious what, in general, the response to those comments were. Yeah, surprisingly, and I hate that it has to be surprisingly, but the response has been overwhelmingly positive. And, you know, to me, it, this is what I compare it to, and I think you'll understand this, right? Uh, you're like anchoring a show and there's like an awful... Uh, crash that happens, right? And you got to report on it. The you toss back to the anchor, and you could say you got to feel for that family, right? Nobody would call you out and say, "Oh, like you're showing your opinion on the air." It is fact that the crash is an awful thing. Like nobody wishes that crash on anybody. It is fact. So it is fact for you to have like some sort of feeling towards that, right? But then we're talking about Black lives. And people simply saying that we are important. It's all this like controversy, you know, you can't say that. And to me, I'm like, that's this, obviously two different situations, but fact is fact to Zora. And I hope to everyone else, like black people are important and black people matter. And that's simply the message. And so it shouldn't be controversial. And so my point in saying all this is the responses shouldn't be controversial. I was speaking fact, like I was speaking experiences. That is a fact that, you know, my husband, we had a taillight out and my husband felt feel fearful and wanted to fix it immediately. That is a fact, like that happened. It is a fact that my dad was arrested for a reason that he still to this day doesn't know why. It is a fact, right? So that wasn't like me, you know, sharing an opinion. It was me sharing experiences, which are, you know, I think maybe you could, anything that was controversial was me sharing Zora stories. Um, and that's what was so different. But uh, nobody could argue whether it was was right or wrong. It's interesting, though, because only like from interviews like this have people asked, you know, about like the controversy of it. No, but no comments or not. No, nobody from within the team has been like, oh, you shouldn't have said that, which is interesting. That's good. I mean, I, I love hearing that, that they do kind of allow you to have that platform and be yourself, like you're saying. And yeah, people bring so much of their own baggage to these conversations when at the root of it, a lot of this is inarguable. Black lives matter. It's as simple as that. And, and don't add more to it than needs to be added or try to twist it into something that it's not. I think that's very well said. Um, 
no real smooth way to transition out of this, but I wanted to no, get into all some good, all good. And, and some background as well. And uh, I guess it, it kind of goes into your background in local news as well, working in North Carolina, right? And then in Denver before you came out here to Milwaukee. I, I think most people would assume, having been a, a college basketball player yourself, that sports would have always been the push. But you did go into more general news. Was that kind of the path you saw yourself on before uh, the Bucks pulled you back in? <laughs> Well, after college, I, for me, I just wanted a job. Yeah, that's fair. I've <laughs> and been I knew I loved the process of television and being the person that gets to tell the stories and gets to interview people and write the stories for broadcasts. And so that comes in the form of being talent or on camera. And so I really did want a sports job, but my first job out of school was not that opportunity. And so I got a job as a news reporter in Greenville, North Carolina. And I'm sure you're aware in the smaller markets to do just about everything. So title was uh, MMJ, something like that. Basically, I shot, wrote, edit everything. And it could have been high school football one day, or it could have been crime or politics, whatever, just kind of whatever the big story of the day was. And I did that for two years. And I really fell in love with storytelling. And so this young woman who was so gung-ho about just simply like covering athletes realized that everyone's story matters, whether you can put a ball in a basket or not. And I was meeting all different types of people, people that I would have never met just in my regular life. And I was learning so much about so many different things. And I fell in love with that process. And so after my first job, you know, I was met with the decision, do you kind of go into sports or do you stay in news? And Denver, Colorado called and said, hey, you can come to Denver, but you got to do news. Um, and uh, I took a chance and it was amazing. I absolutely loved my time in Denver. I loved everyone that I worked with. I loved the stories there. Um, it was just an awesome and it taught me so much. I mean, the storytelling in Denver and how they write their stories and the photography there and how they put just so much passion into their work. I learned so much. And I really do think it kind of shows in how I do my job with the Bucks. Yeah, we're certainly benefiting from that background for sure. Uh, were you actively looking or did the Bucks thing, how, how did it come about? How did you end up here in Milwaukee? Uh-oh, he's trying to get into the nitty gritty here. Yeah. I, um, I was not looking. I was, I really did like what I was doing. I was anchoring Saturday mornings, reporting during the week. And it was a great mix of hard stories. But if I had a really important story that I felt was a little lighter, they gave me the leeway to do that. And as we know in news, that's just a beautiful situation. Yes, we get to tell all different types of stories. So no, I wasn't looking at all. Um, I met somebody within the um, Fox organization who mentioned, oh, there's an opening in Milwaukee. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, and just kind of casually set my stuff in literally like months later, um, heard something and I had completely forgot that I sent in my tape and kind of the rest is history. Next thing I know, I'm in Milwaukee on an interview and I'm like, what is happening? And I just said, whatever's supposed to happen will happen. I ended up getting the job and I was like, it really was, it was tough for me. I, people may not believe that cause it's like, Hey, like the NBA, but it was because I had worked so hard to get good at what I was doing in news. And it was such important work. Um, but when are you, else you're going to have the opportunity, especially at the time? I mean, you know, the Bucks were coming off like one of the best seasons in decades, decades we're talking. Uh, and at the time this is all happening, it was already, you know, Giannis was the MVP. And so it just kind of all melted together. And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And I am just 
uh, it was a great decision. I missed basketball so much. And so to be able to tell stories centered around the game that I love and just to combine those two has really been an amazing thing for me in this past year. All right, I did a little digging with a, a mutual friend of ours from your previous stop. He said, the weather may have scared you a little bit coming to Milwaukee. Mostly glowing <laughs> reviews about all your work and all that you did in Denver. But he said you might have been a little worried about the weather, which to me, like, it obviously is cold in Denver. It snows in Denver. But what was different about Midwest versus the mountains? So, well, okay, here's the misconception. In Denver, it's, like, warm in February. So, yeah, you could have, like, a crazy snowstorm, but the next day the sun could be shining and you can go about your day. Yeah, and it'll uh, be, like, 60 here, degrees like, I don't... in January, right? <laughs> Yeah, like the weather in Denver is amazing and you kind of get a little bit of everything. And like I said, like to me, the sun matters. And here, like, I don't mean to like sound negative, but there's no sun here. Okay. At least not during the winter. The summer was beautiful. Okay. My first summer here was amazing. Your weather during the summer is great. But winter is just like kind of sad. Um, not so much as the cold, but the lack of sunshine. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Drew is right on that one. Uh, weather is always a thing for me, though. I was like worried about the weather when I went to Denver, too. And here's the thing. You have to understand local news like we drive everywhere. And I hate driving in the snow. I absolutely hate it. I hate driving in the rain. I hate driving, period. Anyways, so I'm thinking about when I have to go to these places, I'm like, OK, Zora, you're going to have to drive all times at night. Da, 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 da. Like, do you want to do that? I just think about all the things that, you know, should be low on my list end up being high. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And I can tell you, too, you didn't get a full Milwaukee summer either. Once there's the festivals, once there's everything going on, it gets even better here. For sure. For sure. So I've heard. I'm excited for that. <laughs> what have been uh, kind of your impressions of the Midwest, your impressions of Milwaukee so far with the, with the caveat that you haven't gotten to experience maybe as much as you should have in a, in a first year? Yeah, I, I I like Milwaukee. I'm a low-key person. I enjoy good food, good drinks, and you all check the boxes on that one. Um, and good people, low-key people. Like I'm the type I could I go out like I will go out in like sweatpants. That that is me. And so Milwaukee is a city where I can do that. You know, you can't do that in other cities. So I really do just appreciate just kind of the low-key nature of it. I appreciate uh the passion that they have for sports. I I don't think I realized that before I came here. I mean, I alluded to it with, with Giannis, but you walk around Milwaukee and it's bucks everywhere, um, which was very eye-opening for me and just the presence that the organization has. So yeah, I am definitely enjoying my time here. We've met some really good people and we're enjoying it. <laughs> this pandemic wardrobe has been good to you then if uh, sweatpants are just what for everyone's sure. wearing now. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, I will give a tidbit. So one of my things, like if you are on the road with the Bucks, you know, so, you know, I wear my professional attire, but after the game, I go and change into sweatpants and I am in the locker room doing interviews like in sweatpants so that once we get on the plane, I'm already ready to go and I can like lay out and everything. Yeah, I um, get out of my work clothes really fast. Sweatpants are my thing. So that has been the positive of the pandemic. <laughs> that's a pro tip right there. That's, no, that's a veteran. <laughs> I came across something and I wasn't able to find too much about it, but that your dad has a really interesting background as well. Super into go-go music in like the DC area. I actually grew up in uh, in Maryland between Baltimore and DC. So that's, that's my home turf. But tell us a little bit about that. It's a lot about you, but you can brag about your pops for a bit if you want. Yeah, I love the research here. My dad is amazing. He 
he has dedicated his life. And I guess I really haven't like shared this, but really dedicated his life to improving the lives of African-Americans. He worked for a congressman for over 20 years, Ron Dellums. And so he was his legislative director. So he worked on Capitol Hill. I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C. And so I was exposed to kind of government and activism at a really early age. And then the go-go part of it was his passion. He managed a group called EU. I don't know if you ever heard of EU. Um, We are in the Midwest, so I don't know how much people know about go-go music, but if you've ever heard the song, doing the butt, that's the band that my dad managed. Um, And simply the story behind it is he was in the same apartment building and these teenagers knocked on his door and said, hey, like we need a manager. And my dad was like, sure. And so that's how that that blossomed. Ended up writing a book about go-go music. So just a a guy that is big on giving back. He's big about his community and just advancing things for people that look like me and him and our family. And so, um, yeah, he's the best. And what's so cool, too, is, you know, I get to incorporate that stuff into the Bucks broadcast, which is which has been awesome. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, I came across something. I guess you you were interested in political science as well during college. Also, was there an avenue that you would have been working in D.C. at this point if, if you hadn't chased down the local news uh, route? That was my minor in college. And that's just kind of a testament to my background and how I grew up. I grew up all around politicians. Like that was the circle that my family was in. And so I had an interest in just kind of learning about it. And I, you know, No, it wasn't like I grew up and was like, I want to run for office. No, but I just wanted to understand uh, and really, yeah, just understand the process of it all. So I think television was kind of always what I wanted to do. But could I have been like a political reporter? That definitely was kind of on the list. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm making sure I I, I got this fact straight. But in the initial release, it was when you joined the Bucks, it was... Zora Stevenson, played at Elon, started three years, this tidbit about being the, the single season record holder for three point percentage, right? Do you, yes. I think you don't own that record anymore, right? Does that, does that hurt a little bit? Is someone passed you? Okay, see, you may have got me. And see, this is funny because my, my dad gets, he's like, Zora, you need to like keep up with the nitty gritty on Elon because people are going to ask you about it. And lo and behold, here we are, we're really calling out <laughs> to record this. Uh, did somebody break my record? Awesome. I tried I to dive deep that. into the media guide. I think you're like number two or three now in percentage. So sorry. Oh, dang. I'll, uh, I'll go check that out. <laughs> I hope I got my back straight off. Double check that afterwards, too. Um, I'm also can't that, uh, line anymore. I know. <laughs> Love to find something new. I've heard that uh, the pickup games are, are pretty solid that you get to take a part in as well with some of the staff, some of the other uh, coworkers that you have over there. What's your game like these days? Or are you out there like showing out, dropping threes on everybody? What, what's the scouting report? You know, my game is similar to what it was and what it'll always be. I am a person who knows her role. So you can find me in the right corner, sometimes the, the right wing. And, um, you know, driving kicks, I'm right there ready for you. I have, you know, every every other, you know, every now and then I'll mix it up. But uh, if you're choosing me for your team, you know, you're just going to kind of get a spot up shooter and that's okay. Uh, all the guys have kind of welcomed me and embraced me. That's one thing I do miss with this pandemic is just kind of being able to play with the staff because it was like a guaranteed workout. You know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about it. So that's been really fun. Just the whole atmosphere and just being around the game again, the game being your job has just been so great. Um, and yeah, the pickup games are fun. They get competitive too. Uh, I believe it's it. Like, I mean, and it's crazy too, because basically everybody on the staff can play and play it at like one time or another in their life. So everybody from like 
the GM, assistant coaches. Um, Barry Baum, if you guys know the uh, head of communications for the Bucks, yeah, he gets in there. So, all right, all right Barry. <laughs> Got to ask him about that. Absolutely. Uh, you've been very kind with the time. I really appreciate it. I'd love to finish up with uh, maybe some superlatives or something like that with the team. So, Okay. I know it's tough because you're getting to know some of the new faces, but is there a uh, is there a favorite interview a guy who's just always brings it? You know you're going to get something good. Interviewing every guy is always a pleasure, and there's always different things. But in terms of a funny moment, and I will miss these. I'm glad I kind of have a moment to reminisce here. Is the Eric Bledsoe Chris Middleton tandem? I am wondering who is going to. It was just always, and it didn't even have to be the two of them. If I was just interviewing Chris bled would like come up behind and like do bunny ears or something it was just i mean they really were close friends so uh who's gonna fulfill that role we'll see you know um you know just all around great people i always enjoy talking to Giannis because he's just it's about basketball with Giannis, right you can get x's and o's but um funny moments definitely when uh chris middleton and eric bledsoe were together it was guaranteed laughs for sure we know there's plenty of clowns on this team as well who uh who's maybe the most entertaining in that department (laughs) Well, Thanasis is like full of energy always. And he's like the designated hype man. So I definitely would say he's pretty entertaining. Um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's who comes to mind when you say entertaining for sure. DJ How Wilson about- is, is pretty funny too. All right. All right. How about a uh, wow, this is my life moment from the past year. And I'm guessing it's probably going to be before, uh, before the pandemic shut everything down. But a real positive where you just either on the plane, you're hanging out of the arena, something where you just take a moment, you're like, man, this is, this is pretty cool. I've had a couple of those, not going to lie. Um, and I'm so glad I just got to have the full experience before the pandemic. Uh, the entire trip to Paris, I was like, what is happening? Uh, the plane was wild. And sometimes like, I have to keep my cool, right? Because the people I'm around, they're used to this stuff. They live this stuff. Whereas me, I'm walking like, you know, I'll just nudge Jim, like, Jim, like, what is happening? <laughs> um, Pash, Jim Paschke, the play-by-play announcer. So he he kind of, you know, um, can go through it with me. But yeah, the plane we took to Paris was wild. And then just the experience of, like, working for an NBA team and get to cover everything that they did. We went to PSG and we're just, um, you know, walking around and going through the locker room uh what other pinch me moment we got to go to the u.s embassy in paris i mean just the entire paris trip i was like what is happening um christmas day last year uh the bucks played philly in philly and the bucks organization let us all bring a member of our family so my husband got to travel with the team last christmas and that was i just i mean i know i sound like a broken record but the organization has just been so amazing um so that meant a lot, especially around, you know, Christmas time, family, yeah. and for them to open their arms like that. And they've just been so welcoming to my husband and I. So I've, most of my moments probably are kind of, you know, off the court. I think, you know, the job wise, it would be, you know, Madison Square Garden for the first time. Like, Zora, you're working at Madison Square Garden right now on the floor at an NBA game. Like, again, what is happening? Um, being able to work the Paris game, it was packed in there, all full of fans that were, rooting for the bucks and I'm broadcasting and telling the stories. Um, so just that entire year was a whirlwind. I actually like journaled the whole thing every day. I would write down just like what happened today. And Jim was like, Zora continue to do that because, you know, I was, I was like the newbie and coming in with fresh eyes. Um, and so it's cool to kind of go back and reminisce on everything that happened last year. That's really neat. I actually 
that's weird because the pandemic or 2020, I started journaling as well. I don't know why. It just felt like something I should document or it'd be interesting to look back on. That, that's neat. Well, you mentioned the holidays. I could do this for hours, Zora, but thank you so much. Uh, we'll wrap it up as we're getting into the Christmas season here. I really appreciate it. It's been a blast uh, getting to know you a little bit better. And, and we are very lucky to have you here in Milwaukee and have you covering the Bucks. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you once again to Zora for all the time and to Giannis for making that decision before we tape the podcast. And a thank you as well to two people you don't hear from behind the scenes. That would be Dave Machuda and Sarah Smith, who do so much to make these podcasts at Fox 6 happen. That would be both definitely Milwaukee and Open Record from the Fox 6 Investigators. If you want either of those podcasts to continue to grow from here, please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Or you can find all the episodes online at fox6now.com.